Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by The Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. I know that, Luke, we've talked about uh you know questioning leadership and the athletic department over the over the many many years we've done uh, this show and no matter what i think we can at least be happy that we're not facing a situation like what's happening with iowa and iowa football in particular where fans are like you can't just keep your crappy son as the offensive coordinator it stinks <laughs> and the offense like it's we, we we saw them this year with the seven point game there was two safeties and a field goal and the drive of the game in that game had negative total yardage. Like, this is what we're talking about. Well, he just will not get rid of his son and basically said, I never, when I worked here for Hayden Fry, we never fired any assistants and I'm not doing it either. Well, that's cute when it's your son. Uh, so he has come out, uh, they've announced today they've restructured his contract with uh, that makes it more incentive based. Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. The contract amendments include a salary of $850,000, which is not bad. For your son. Yeah. Desi- I'll help you out. Yeah. Give you, throw you yeah. a couple shekels. Financial incentives based on the des- designated performance objectives. with All capitalized, by the way. Designated performance objectives. Uh, the designated performance objectives for the 2023 season include an average of at least 25 points per game and a minimum of seven wins, including regular season and a possible bowl. Would you like to guess... Luke, how many teams in college football averaged 25 points per game last year or more? I'm going to say a lot, actually. I've picked it up in uh, in terms of scoring with NFL, college, all of it. So I'm going to say a lot. I'm going to say it's really 85. High. Okay. 85. 85. S- seems like a pretty lenient uh, uh, bogey to hit to make, uh, I'm assuming, some pretty big money. Just being the top sixty percent of college football scoring. All and you gotta do good. here. <laughs> Holy crap! Don't be one of the worst, and you're good. Which is unbelievable to me. I would be so mad if I was a fan. Uh, like the, this is what I don't get, Luke. Like I realize that that Kirk Ferentz is, you know, a son, a native son, and all that crap. Whatever. They're boring. Like, they're boring. It's not fun. Like, the entire world can't stop trying to make everything in the world more entertaining. Everyone, far fewer patients, less patients with everything. 
But Iowa's like, we will not deviate from Kirk Ferentz. It's not like they're winning 11 games every year. They're winning like six and a half. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't understand a lot of these bogeys that they put in contracts that are are like this. Like an auto extend on a contract for winning six wins. It doesn't make much sense to me. But I will say, I think it shows it's actually smart on Iowa's case to be able to put those in his contract because they're low enough where you could easily say, hey, we gave you a benchmark that we agreed you could you could definitely hit. And you did not. So it's you get to go to that coach and say, hey, man, we gave him, you know, a very easy mark to hit. He didn't do it, and now it's time to go. Like, it does. it is kind of smart from Iowa's perspective with those contracts because if it doesn't work out and you just reference the, the seven-point game, like, it's pretty easy to say, hey, you're not getting it done anymore. Bye-bye. But they don't even make sense. I mean, you're not – why would you give the offensive coordinator – wins incentives he look like he did he does at best a half of the team it's just it doesn't make like it, i don't know if i agree with that exactly, i want win incentives in everything every contract for every coordinator but, every coach absolutely i i disagree if i'm the offensive coordinator i want i don't want wins incentives in my contract what about national championship i could be incentives? awesome and we lose well, those are also funny. But if I like, if you're a, if you, if the offense, whatever, uh, Ledford or whatever, and you know Brian Brown's first couple of years, the defensive was was terrible. That dude's costing me money. I don't want that. And if I'm a head coach, by the way, I don't want my incentives where my assistants are depending on each other to hit them. Wonder if eighty-one fifty. Hold on, hold on, Eighty-one fifty, ninety-three-nine. I'm in total disagreement with Mark Ennis on this. I just wonder if Alex Grinch has a wins incentive because he's been Oklahoma. He was Oklahoma as at USC, and those defenses are just horrible. But they win games because Lincoln Riley's the head coach. Hey, sometimes you got to get in where you fit in. If he's boys with Lincoln Riley, he's gonna win some games, man. If I am a head coach, if I'm the CEO, I want winning incentivized at every level of my program. Yes, I agree with Mark that I would feel bad if I was a dominant offensive line coach and we were monsters right there and the defense just gave up 75 points a game. We had no chance to win. I feel bad for that guy, but I still want my head coach incentivizing everyone in the building to do every little thing possible to ultimately win games because that is your job. 8150 Am I totally I don't wrong, want my Mark? Offensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't want my offensive coordinator coming over the table in the next meeting like, you cost me $500,000, you sorry-ass defense. Like, <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't nope, want, I want that. I want that competitiveness. You want that. Okay. Fired up. <laughs> I'd like to have it filmed as well. Let's, we'll put that in the documentary. No, I'm, to, I want the win incentive, Mark. I've told you. Winning is fun. Did we just drop somebody, I think? Give us a Mike, shout give back, us a call if, back. You, if you need yeah, to. Give yeah. us a shout back if you want to there. Uh, I am surprised uh, by that, but I, I do understand. And, and since you mentioned this, uh, and you may have covered this uh, during the time where I was shortly was was disconnected there, but I had kind of made a passing joke last week that I know you don't want to get into coaching, but that you would do a wonderful job critique. I think critiquing a team's practice, like like Gordon Ramsay, like you send him in the restaurant and he's you know and he's. I just think about all the memes with Gordon Ramsay and then just being That's what I'm how I would transition some of those you to the sports. You holding part. two pieces of bread, yes. asking somebody, what, are, what you? are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. <laughs> right, exactly. I want, like, don't, I feel like, Luke, if you, uh, if the, if anyone would ever let you do it, that would be 
incredibly fun to watch because I think when you in our discussions on and off the air both, like I never enjoy basketball talk more than when you start talking about things you see in practice and, and that, that you like or don't like and how like all the downstream impacts. You know, I was thinking about even in the in the game against Florida State, you know, that wasn't a great I don't think it sounds like it was a great play call there at the end. Uh, and I did not have a ton of confidence in what they were going to do because they haven't done this. And now here's a high-pressure situation at the end. And I was I was thinking about you and practice. One of the reasons games look so ragged is they can't get close to game intensity out of practice, or they're not getting it. And that's exactly what I was thinking about in that last possession. But I would love a show where you just go in and just start – either crushing or sort of reinforcing the good parts of somebody's practice. Doesn't that sound like a good uh, show idea for you? Absolutely. And I would I love that because, you know, I've just had very differing styles. I've seen very different styles of what makes teams successful. And I, I've, you know, for a long time, I kind of thought you had to be in this square. This is this is how everybody does it. And then as I've been able to see more teams and more styles and certainly the coaches that I've played for, I've said this, two Italian New Yorkers, but completely different styles and how they run their teams, the type of wear and tear they put on their guys, the expectations involving certain things, and then also how they get their message across. I've said this to you before, Mark. I, was, I am so impressed by Jim Laranega and his mental approach for his guys, like how he builds them up, how he constantly finds, you know, sports psychologists and takes tidbits from those conversations, podcasts, you know, gets them involved with his team to figure out, you know, when the game is on the line, how you're going to handle business. And Miami has been great at that. They've had a tremendous amount of close games this year, but his process starts with, hey, we got to play great defense. He said this on Coach's Call last week. It starts with great defense in crunch time. And then the first priority, you're going to love this, Mark Ennis. Been preaching this nonstop. First priority offensively, you cannot turn the basketball over. Mm. And in crunch time, him talking about you need your best when your best is, is needed, that, that just philosophy simplifies things, but it's so Coach L, right? And then, you know, obviously Rick Patino's not a bad basketball coach either, so I feel like I took a few things away from him. You gonna use them in your? Uh, you guys are gonna be like rolling your eyes at each other on this TBT thing? You're like, my grandmother could have got to that. Come on. Well, you know, my role is is just somebody helping to kind of set things up. Um, I'm not playing. I know some people You're a thought that. Yeah, I'm I'm the Jackie Moon without the player sign. I'm coach owner uh, operator instead of player coach owner. But uh, you know, it's gonna be fun to get the guys back together, and I'm sure my competitiveness is gonna come out in some way. But not coaching and not playing, I'm hopefully sitting on the sidelines just enjoying the moment and seeing those guys out there. So you're not going to get a technical because you're not going to be playing or coaching? Depends on the situation. You know, you still throw things on the court from a from the stands, right? You can still you can go get, get, get one. get a technical from anywhere if you try hard enough. Man. Yeah, there you go. Life <laughs> mottos. Life <laughs> mottos right there. Uh, really quickly before we get to Roger, in uh, the women's game yesterday, there was a first quarter shot in which Nyla Harris shot the ball, uh, elbow jumper, uh, and was kind of crumpled into, no foul called, and Jeff started in on the, the short female referee that was in the crew yesterday and was doing the thing where he bends over at the waist like when I'm listening to my children while she was talking. And I could I, I tweeted at them all. I was like, Jeff's getting teed up today, guys. He's <laughs> You could feel it? She, absolutely. And then in the third quarter when, when 
Narika Kono was called for fouling the three-point shooter for North Carolina, who very clearly stuck her right foot forward and landed it with like a foot and a half in front of her. I was like, here it comes, and bam, he got himself teed up immediately. He was keyed up for that game yesterday. You could tell. Well, we got to talk to him on Friday and do an interview uh, on the ACC PM show, the Jordan show. Yeah. And uh, Biscuit helped me out with a lot of this, but I got to ask him a little bit about, number one, the, the comeback against Syracuse and really sitting HBL for the fourth quarter and much of the game yeah. and having some other players kind of step up and that run being involved with, you know, Mikasa and with, you know, who, somebody who I was really impressed Nyla. with, Nyla Harris was awesome, yeah. um, Morgan Jones. You know, they, 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 they made that comeback on their defense, and then once they got that going, it fueled everything else. And so I asked him, like, about roster changes and then ultimately – what do you do with HVL now? And he, he just continued to put confidence into her, not speaking to her, but you can tell as a coach, he is so positive on her and just wants to fire her up and said, you know what, I've probably been playing her too much. She's a little worn down. We're going to need her. And this rest is what's going to really take her to another level. So you could just tell in that conversation, he felt really good about where his team is. I would not have thought that before the interview, but he also mentioned like slow starts and kind of finding the extra fire they need. Talk about intentionality going out there and saying, you know, I'm going to show our team the type of desperation yeah. that they have to play with and going out there and getting that technical to show this is the fight you need. I'm fighting. Come on with me. Yeah. I, listen, I think you're a hundred percent on that. I think he was determined to show what he was asking for. You know, from himself, I 100% agree with you. And as far as Haley Van Lith, I thought the fourth quarter at Syracuse and then this whole game, but the fourth quarter at Syracuse where he, where she sat was as much for everybody else as it was for her. You know, like she's got to, like we've got to be able to rest her, but you all have got to believe that you're going to be able to take care of things when she's not out here too. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I think he was sensing, at least on the offensive end, a little over-dependence. And she sits – and lo and behold, you know, you get kind of a renewed faith in the whole system when it generated some good shots for everybody. It really wasn't like one person just stepped into the Haley Van Lith role. The whole offense, I think, was, was really productive. But more than anything, they started turning Syracuse over in the fourth quarter in that game, and they played lights out defense the entire game against North Carolina. If you remember two weeks ago when he sort of had that <laughs> midweek uh, flipped out on his team after they lost to Wake Forest, he said, we won't defend and i love that he said that we won't defend it's a choice and we won't do it and the message seems to have gotten through love the way he uh, finds ways to motivate his team um, and also like we've talked about this for years with him about just his philosophy do you want an asia dur that's just the absolute alpha out there or do you want a more rounded team and he just coaches to his team strengths which i really appreciate and he's adaptable you know, he's had plenty of McDonald's All-Americans coming in here, but he yeah. still uh, finds a way to have a, a great player like HVL and then find all the pieces and, and continue to mold it and make it work better and better together. Uh, so I, I think he's just done a great job. And the ACC, if you look at Coach's record and you think, man, they're having a really down year, look at the ACC. I asked Muffin McGraw about this This just six teams ranked. I'm telling you, you got a wrong opinion about Muffin. I'm not going to you know change your mind right now i know i'm not we've talked about this before but getting to like have a drink with muffet and just talk kind of off camera and whatnot she is hilarious 
She's fun. I know there are Louisville fans in their car who their hair is standing up right now, but I'm surprised she was willing to talk to you at all. She was great, man. She was great. How and, many drinks uh, had she had? N- none, I think. Uh, I was not with her because she was in South Bend at her house. She was uh, remoting in, but she she mentioned how strong the league is, and she specifically yeah. referenced Louisville and said, you know, I know they're not playing their best basketball, but you know they have the potential to do that. And with a player like yeah. HVL, you know, in somebody like that, we'll trust, right? I mean, she can really go. Yeah. So, who we uh, got let's first? Get to Roger, I believe Roger's been waiting. Let's get him in here. Roger, welcome into the drive on our time. What's up? Maybe. Roger, welcome in. There's some irony in Roger not answering. Roger, Roger. Are you there? Yeah, here we go. There we go. Yeah, I was on mute somehow. I'm driving. Like I'm not. Oh, man, we to we just anyway. did the pandemic for like two years of this. You can't <laughs> use mute as a no way, no way, Roger. You failing great for today. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, I uh, I believe after I hate to say this, but after watching a uh, game with the team down the road, they are who they are. I don't believe because of great coaching, although everybody wants to say Cal's a great coach, they win off of talent. You watch when they get in hard place, a talented player will just find a way to score. And I believe that when Kenny, hopefully if he gets the caliber of players he wants, and then he can coach them up to to do the the type of scheme he wants to run, I believe he'll be successful because you have nowadays you have to have talent. Now I'm not taking away from the guys that we've got, although I will it's say okay. this: if they could <laughs> if they could play with the energy that Coach Wall's team plays with every single game, our men's team would play better. Yep. Now that recently they they play better, but you know it's it's talent. You got to have talent. And, and, you know, go from there. So, anyway, like I say, I hate to say after watching Team Down Road, but I believe that's the key to their success is talent. It's not super coaching like a lot of people want to say. It's, it's a big part. Recruiting is, is, is their big part. But, anyway, that's just yep. – that's just. I, I appreciate y'all having me on. Yep. Thanks, Roger. I appreciate it, too. Luke, what I – I'll I'll riff off of what he had to say there because I think he's I think he's on to something but it's 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 one more step removed. I think that Kenny has uh, absorbed a lot of the coaching philosophy of Cal, but that Cal's philosophy isn't I, I'm just going to get better players because I think he's not an idiot. Uh, every you know a lot of schools have good players. It's not just that, but I think Cal decided he's going to. Uh, budget his energy on the psychological part of handling guys with big time expectations and and recruiting but that when you have tremendous players you can get by on not having to scheme up every little thing because they're really great talented physically dominant guys and i think cal look he tried it a different way and it's worked and it hasn't for him. In, in crucial moments, it bites him. There's no question. But I do think, Luke, that Kenny got here uh, really conditioned between here and the NBA of coaching guys who are really self-motivated already. 
Yeah. And then he walked into a place where they're not. And it has been a struggle. Yeah, no question. Um, I, I, I look at the breakdown of the roster, and I, I think you know people have messaged in all day, there's too much talent on this team for these guys to look like this, and et cetera, et cetera, right? We've done that. But there's still a winning culture in college basketball that these guys don't necessarily have because you've got JUCOs and you've got freshmen and you've, you've lacked that continuity. And the point that I agree with most with you is you know, that extra level of motivation – what was Kenny Payne's sell, right? It was like, tell me about your dreams. And then he was going to tell them, hey, this is the type of work ethic you got to have in order to reach your dreams. Yeah. And so I think he got told the dreams, but it didn't necessarily match up with the work ethic they needed. And he's never had to be, I mean, it is more of a pro mindset, right? Like they're, yes. you're not supposed to walk in a professional locker room and have to motivate these guys that's right right. your job is basketball you make money you're supposed to come in here and give everything you have because of the details in your contract i I thought we were already doing that yes i shouldn't have to rip it out of you where in college there's a balance there and so ultimately you know he's had the same level of talent but he's found ways to motivate them to another level again if you're not more confident in them competing after seeing the last two games than you were a month ago i don't think you've really been paying attention and I'll blame you for giving up, but you probably did and stopped watching. So a lot of improvements. I think Kenny Payne's grown. Um, again, not for the moral victories, but there are good things these last three or four games you can take away and say, all right, well, let's build from there. And again, 11 turnovers in this last game is the most positive things. You just can't have your 11 turnovers be as impactful as they were with points off turnovers and with fast break points. Again, points off turnovers – 19 for Florida State, 5 for Louisville. 14 points. That's really tough to, to climb that hill. Uh, I, want, I want to ask you a question about a one comment that Kenny made when you're talking about a culture and all that sort of thing. That A comment he made after the game and what your reaction to it being what he, said, what he actually said and him being willing to say it. But I want, I want to get Chris uh, in here first. Just don't let me forget to do that with you yep. after Chris. Chris, welcome into the drive. What's up? What's up, Mark, and defensive stopper? What's going on? Specialist is what I prefer, but that's all right. My bad. So here's the problem. (laughs) Mark asked you a question about offense, and we all know you're a defensive guy, so of course that's (laughs) something. They ain't doing nothing for you. I try and stick in my wheelhouse, so maybe I should just (laughs) focus on what you're good at. I get it. So here's here's the other thing, Luke. I, I can see this in my mind. You've been the player coach. It, remember when Larry Bird played on the Olympic team and he would play and then he'd go over and lay down and put the, the heating pack on his back? I just, I, I just, I see you right there. And if, if you've ever heard the story of Mass Burn when he was talking about it and Hood said something to Bird, he goes, he ain't hit a shot since 86. And he said he came in practice the next day and lit him Torched up. Torched him. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's like 86 out here. You didn't done it, young <laughs> that's, that's, that's just what I see you doing out there. But you, you were talking, Mark, you were talking about Luke analyzing games. If we get over the part where Jay Will was, you know, giving Kenny the pat on the head that everybody hates for some reason, if you listen to him and you watched him break things down, I thought he'd done a phenomenal job. There was Me a time too. when when uh, Withers jumped out on a guy when he shouldn't have got, and they gave up a three. And then every time he talked about uh, there was a pass to the corner, Mike James steps in, they give it to him, he gets a three-point play. He goes, that was really emphasized today in practice when I was there. And he goes, let me tell you something. That was not a shoot-around. That was a full-fledged practice they had today. 
before the game. And, and that right there is what gave me confidence is that a lot of things that Jay saw in practice, the guys brought over to the game. Now, we are who we are, and, and I, I love the way they played. I love the 12,000 people in the arena. I, I feel bad that these guys aren't going to have the 20,000 that, that they're going to have next year when things get better. But I, I, love, I love the fact that I'm seeing things start to translate over to the court. I think Jalen Withers, I was done with him. I think when he shoots on the first thought, he might be one of the better shooters on the team. I'm, I'm happy with J.J. I mean, I, I just I think that there's some upside. We are going to get some other players, but I'm, I'm happy with seeing things translate over to the court. I'll get off and I'll listen to you guys. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much. Yeah, look, I, I think that there are some things to be optimistic about. Uh, on on some individual levels like that, I think Kamari Land's handling the ball uh, a little better and just seems to have a little bit more confidence uh, after hitting that shot late against Georgia Tech. I I think there are some good things. A core four doesn't know at all what he's supposed to be doing, but he goes favorite player all time. miles an hour exactly. But I love him. I like I, I I'm he's delightful to watch. Like he looks happy out there. Like I just yeah. I love I love the kid. I really do. I want to uh, I want to say one thing about him too. In terms of where he's been playing the type of basketball, like in those developmental situations, you are playing against guys that are bigger and stronger and faster. The referees are different. None of that stuff, those little fouls, those ticky-tack ones where he hits you with a little elbow or pushes you a little bit or is overly physical for the United States basketball, none of that stuff would be called where he played. The real like positive thing is that he can hold his own against those bigger, stronger, really grown men athletes in the league that he was in. That's what gets you noticed. If you go out there and dominate those guys, well, you know, he wouldn't be up flying under the radar, right? But just his physicality, his size, his will, you know, his motor, that's what got him noticed and got him to Louisville. And now it's just about making the tweaks to prepare yourself to not pick up the ticky-tack fouls. Like his film study is going to be about Woe, not go. And yeah. that is a great thing to me. I would much rather, every parent says this, right? Like, I'd rather say woe than go when it comes to sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's got this uh, a similar challenge that Aiden Gayon had, which is when it comes to uh, the, the defensive side of the game, you have to, uh, one, of, like, one of the biggest factors is in being able to anticipate what a team is doing, not just your guy, but sort of the, the whole flow of things. And Aiden again, you know, just he just hadn't played enough basketball to be any good at any of that, and he looked lost. I think Corfor's got less of a case of that, but some of that is, you know, every single time you have to stop and think and react on defense is when you're a step slow, and that's when you foul. I think it happens with him a lot. Oh, yeah. You, the thing is, you have to be engaged the whole time. I, I agree with your point 100%, and I agree with those freshmen that come in and they kind of see the play happen, and then they react, right? Where when you grow in college basketball and the game starts to slow down for you, it's not because you're just anticipating every pass, but you're more ready for the for the possibilities that could happen, and it's not so much watch, digest in your head, and then go and react. It's more, all right, I'm leaning on this guy, and I'm keeping him out of the paint, I know the ball's going to the other side, and then you're reading and reacting more with what your person is doing and where the help side needs to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does. So, uh, a lot I'm a big similar, fan. Uh, lines or sort of in talking about this very thing. After the game on Saturday, Kenny Payne was talking about L. Ellis and that he was happy to see 
a a hefty dose of the defensive desperation from him that he's been wanting to see all year. And then he actually said, L has a tendency to coast on defense. Which one was this? This is the one we listened to, right, Spencer? Is this nine or three? We listened to nine, right? We listened to three okay. during listen the show. Three. You we had nine when during the break I showed you. Let, let's listen to number nine real quick because I, I I agree, Mark. This is interesting stuff. Let's play this and uh, we'll get a little reaction here. Kenny, you talked about the defensive desperation. I think there was a stretch. Florida State got the 72, and then there was a five-minute scoreless stretch. What kind of change did you see on that end of the floor for your guys to play with a little bit more de- desperation? Again, I saw the desperation. I saw them connected to the offensive player. I saw them talking. I saw them in stances. I saw them put better pressure on the ball. I saw L. Ellis, who most of the time tries to coast through a game. I saw him in a stance. I saw him alert. I saw him fighting. I need him, and I know it's hard. It's a tough situation to be in when you play that many minutes. You got to fight. You can't just save it for the offensive end. You got to fight all the way through. I saw that. I needed more of that in the first half, and who knows how the game would have turned out. And again, we're playing a very good team. You go through a lull in the first half, you may never get the chance to get back in it. So okay, so there's the, the the answer from him. What do you make of him? Just L tries to coast through a game. That's a captain, man. Yes, but at the same time, it is very rare to find guys that can just go the whole game and not give you any dip in their production. I mean, it's so rare. I know that sounds crazy. Um, he's third in minutes played in the ACC. So it's not like, you know, I don't look at Tyree Appleby, who's averaging 18 and 6, and think, man, that guy's taking time off. I don't look at Dane Goodwin from Notre Dame, although their record stinks. I don't think he's taking time off out there. But you have to find a way to kind of pair these things together. Like L. Ellis, number one, you can't just get tired and mentally make these bad turnovers that just lead to easy layups. But I'm certainly not one that's going to say, yeah, you need to take some breaks and do that on the defensive end. No way, right? The specialist is not going to allow that to happen. I've told you from the beginning, Mark, competition level in practice, specifically at the point guard spot, not where it needs to be to have this guy ready to play for 40 minutes. And I think he's got to find a way to mentally motivate himself each and every day to go out there and push himself. It's easier said than done. Um, You know, you can't accept that as a coach, but I do understand it, I guess is how I would – first say uh, my thoughts came out after hearing that by the way uh, Luke I did want to point out here that uh, we've received some clarification from from Iowa well we haven't but Richard Johnson uh, Richard Johnson with Sports Illustrated uh, that the benchmark that's been set for Brian Ferentz for points per game more than 25 includes all scoring so if they <laughs> their defense spend, is gonna help them yes, out so big much. time. <laughs> I mean, this, it, it's the most incredible contract ever. Well, I'll agree with you there. I'm still liking the incentivize every level of your organization for winning, except maybe compliance. That might be a big time uh, conflict there. But uh, yeah, these bogeys seem kind of absurd. I mean, not kind of absurd. You said 85 percent of teams hit that goal. Like you don't yes. even have to be good. You just gotta teams not be out of the 130 whatever it is that play. Ugh. That's rough. Close to sixty percent. We're uh, talk about a participation trophy. That's incredible. Let's take our last break here, and we will come back, put a bow on this one on the drive on the Thunderville. Right back.
Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 on the Bill. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. Still some time for you to get uh, in here if you would like to do so. 8150-939 and Carl did. I don't know if this is Philly Carl or other Carl. Welcome into the drive. No, it's, it's the other Carl. Uh, All right, Carl. Just a, just a quick comment, man. Um, you, you know, the number of minutes the L's plays, I'm sure it does play on him. But his mentality as a scoring guard, um, it has to change. The, the last player of the game, you, as a point guard, you have to know that you have you, you're getting a three. There's no other way for you yeah. to win the game if you don't get a three off. Yep. Now, yeah. from from the angle that I had, and I thought that there was somebody wide open in the in the right hand corner who would have had all day long to take a wide open three at that point in the game. Um, he, he's got to see those plays, he, you know. And I appreciate Kenny not throwing this young man on the bus because I believe if you watch the field, th- there was someone that was wide open in the right hand corner. Appreciate, yeah, appreciate the call there, Carl. Thanks so much. You know, he he did talk about it afterwards. Um, I just think you have to have that court awareness. I think he's spot on. You know, as much credit as I'm going to give L. Ellis for the fight this season, you know, you, you got to know time and score. That's like the minimal for a point guard. And I, yes, somebody uh, messaged in and they said that they, they kind of defended L on that. And they said um, there was seven to eight seconds left. We went into a break there. So I, I, I've lost the text, but it was. Oh, he could have fouled, basically. Yes. Was he you trying can, to go for yeah. like an and one? That's like the only thing that made any sense for why you would drive there. I think that's like um, best case scenario. You drive in there and you get it two, and there's eight seconds left. I, you know, I disagree with yeah, the text, they bail but I understand. You, then, then you just go ahead and lay it in and yeah, try ex- to foul, do a cycle, another cycle. Exactly. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's enough time. Um, you know, you've shot the ball pretty well from the three outside of Mike James. You know, you take him out and they're like nine for 20, I think. Nine for 19, something like that. That's a really good clip. Um, I think, again, they fell in love with threes a little bit too much in the second half. Uh, but in that situation, you got to. Uh, you, you got They were three for twelve in the second half, seven for sixteen in the first half, and uh, Mike James was one for eight. So you get in there again. Kenny Payne talked about it. You get in there and reverse pivot, and you kick it out. Was supposed to be the play. I think that would have been a much better strategy. 
didn't come to fruition. That's a point guard who's just got to watch film and realize, did we need this play? And what did we need to look for? Uh, Mark, I wanted to bring this up to you. Somebody texted in and they said, the more they think about it, I'm going to paraphrase this because it's a long one, but uh, Kenny messed up on the motivation techniques, but there's also not anybody on this team who's really pissed off that they're losing and not going at it 100%. Don't understand others performing less than 100% hurts. And I think what they're trying to say is nobody's really looked that pissed off about the situation that they're in and the all shucks mentality we know doesn't go over great here. I was wondering, you know, kind of moving that text along a little bit, did you make anything of Kamari Lance talking about knocking down that three in the post game and being all smiles and saying, I knew it was good as soon as it left my hands and just kind of laughing, joking in a post game where you lost by three and you're three and 20. I chalk that up to his just kind of immaturity in those, those situations though. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, to me, that's, that's what that is. Not him having, you know, an attitude, a certain attitude. That's not good. I think that was just him being young in front of a microphone uh, for me more than, than I'm worried about him. Cause I think he's, He's one of the guys who I think has been able to grow in kind of the mental side this year and show a little growth as a uh, as a player. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not worried about him in that regard, even if he does need to improve. Yeah, played uh, played 22 minutes in the game, had 15 points, three rebounds, one assist, no turnovers. I love that. I'm going to start saying that every time. Uh, had yeah. the only steal of the game. Uh, was zero on the plus minus. You know, I think that's interesting. You want to know who had the highest plus-minus in the game? Jalen Withers? I'm kidding. Because <laughs> he turned turnovers. Boy. Well, that's a big part of it. Um, I think you nailed who is on the, the other end of that, who had the least in terms of plus-minus. Jalen Withers played 34 minutes of okay basketball. He was certainly efficient on the offensive end. He was 4 for 7, knocked down a lot of threes. Um, if he's not shooting it great, I'm not sure if you look at it and think the same, hey, man, he played awesome. Got to find some yeah. other ways to affect the game. And you mentioned the turnovers. You just can't have him. He was minus 10, but Hersey Miller was the guy. Yeah, um, there you go. Two points. He was one for five from the field. Had five rebounds. Impressive from the guard spot. Two assists, no turnovers. And uh, that's in 11 minutes. I mean, he was in there for basically the entire 17-2 run. I just think it, if you hear that, though, Mark, and we've all talked about this, needing to take some wear and tear off of L. Ellis, I don't understand. Between Fabio and Hersey Miller, you can't bring those guys together and say, hey, man, you played Six 11 minutes, minutes yeah. and you played great. You were just solid. You didn't do anything prolific. You didn't even shoot it great, but you were solid. You had five rebounds, you had two assists, and most importantly, you had zero turnovers. We don't need you to go score a million points. We need you to not turn it over, play defense, and play hard. And you're going to get minutes. I mean, I would love to see... I mean, I think Fabio's kind of a lost cause at this point. There's got to be something going on where he's not fulfilling a non-negotiable for for KP. You know, I don't know. I have no clue what it is. But, you know, not going to class or being late or whatever were were the things that were like non-negotiables. I, there's got to be something, right? So if Hersey Miller plays like that in his 11 minutes, it's not been every game, but he needs to get more time at the point. And even if you don't take L out, you move him to the two, it's less wear and tear bringing the ball up the floor like that. And they're just looking for somebody not to be great, but to be solid in those minutes. 
you know, look, it might turn out to be that the place, because I think L and Mike James are are okay. I, I think, you know, they're, they're, you don't look at them and you're like, that's not a backcourt that you can win with in the ACC. You, you can win some games with those guys as part of a better system, but like the, instead of it necessarily being on how they are as offensive guys, we might really look back on this season as a, a giant missed opportunity in having a defense that could feed your offense when you're not great in the half court. You know, that to me, that was one of the biggest things about what the women did between the end of the Syracuse game in North Carolina is you, you, you didn't have a great offensive game against Wake Forest, but they, they really fed into both sort of the morale and the, and the environment and the building and every, all of it by, by getting out and running and scoring in transition on some easy buckets. And Louisville just had almost none of that. And to your year. point, Florida State did, right? Florida State right. Right. used Louisville's mistakes on yep. with their defense and got out in transition and that really fueled their offense they could have yeah the, to me they if they were a, just an okay just imagine how different just one stat luke if they just forced 15 percent more turnovers so i'm not talking about anything crazy i'm talking about like two more a game and had three fewer every game Wow. Those, like those are not in, insane changes at all, and they're not unreasonable. But if they did that, is that the difference in winning the this game and the Syracuse game and all three of the games at the beginning of the year? You know, is it that close? It's closer with the games you just mentioned. You know, you force three more turnovers and you don't have three of your own. And let's just you know hyperbole here. We make those the most impactful three on both sides. You know, you've certainly got double-digit wins, if not more, with that kind of change. I mean, the the line between success and failure in that Syracuse game is a kick ahead. Is not fumbling the ball there on that fast break and making that pass. You know, the line between success and failure in this Florida State game, it literally could be one shot. You know, if Mike James doesn't go one for eight and he goes two for eight and that ball goes in, they have a great chance to win the game. So, they, I mean... The line between success and failure in college basketball is so incredibly thin. And it's so obvious this team has pieces, but you have to be able to, your best players have to play well at the same time for this level of talent to win. And so far, you've had so many games where they have a fighting chance, but it's not everything kind of aligning outside of the WKU game. Like Mike James. You know, seven points and going two for ten, not a great game. Two assists, two turnovers, minus nine in the plus minus. Jalen Withers being minus ten. You know, it's great that you were efficient and you scored points. Jalen Withers, 14 points, four for seven from the field. But your your plus minus as a starter just can't be that low. You know, 34 minutes for Jalen Withers and 26 minutes for Mike James. You got to be more impactful than that while you're in there. If they just – a few of these guys play well together – have that continuity, they win games. I mean, I'm not saying they're beating you know Virginia every time, but they will win games, and they'd certainly be at double digits. Just trust me we're, that we're going somewhere with this, Luke. Did you ever use Netflix as it originally started, where you would watch DVDs and mail them to and fro? Did you ever use that part of Netflix, that version of it? I did not. I was a Redbox uh, kind of guy. Okay. I would I would go... Uh, 
to the machine or whatever and, and get the plastic DVD out of the box. One of the things you could do with Netflix, and it's kind of a racket, was you could just, if you were ready for them to send the next one or whatever, and you, whatever happened, you could just, they'd be like, okay, we'll send us the other one. And you're like, uh, I totally did. You could just get online and like claim returned. And then they would just send you the next one. And would be like <laughs> almost no, no follow-up to that. I have a theory that the Louisville players this year, one of the, the things working against them is that they think they're not responsible if they turn it over while falling down. <laughs> and I'm, I, I would love you stay to off the know. Floor. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's like a synergy thing or something. But like, I would love to know the percentage of turnovers for Louisville that happened with or coincided with Jalen Withers or LLs or somebody falling down. I, I would bet you it is number one in the country. Because they, I just, it feels like it's like, well, if I fall down, they can't say anything. It looks if, like if effort. You, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, I remember, you know, Peyton Siva was that guy for us where Coach would just hammer him all the time about, you know, leaving his feet and, and winding up on the ground. But it's part of playing hard. I know you've mentioned this before, but you just can't leave your feet and then bad things happen. You know, if you have to drop off a pass and end up on your butt sliding across the floor, like, that's fine. It's really bad when you go flying and it's a mistake that leads to a run out and now you got to play five on four as you're trying to get back in the play. You know, it just bad enough you gave the ball up. Yes, it just kills your team. It's compounding mistakes. And, uh, and this team is good at compounding mistakes, man. They, they uh, again, getting down 17 really hurts because for a lot of the game, they played pretty well. Uh, somebody asked, and I, I did notice this, just the minutes for Kamari Lands after playing so well in that first half. It was a little – I was surprised he wasn't out there more. What about you? Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think you're right. And I don't know if it was something – because I didn't pick up anything from any of Kenny's comments after the game that gave anything away. I don't know if it was, like, matchup-driven, you know, if it were, or if it was something – because I know that he said after the game that, like, the, the offensive game plan against Florida State was uh, – not very structured because of what Florida State does. That you basically told the guys, you're going to have to make some one-on-one basketball plays. It's time to just go play basketball. Which was interesting because to go back to Jay Williams, Jay Williams kept saying over and over and over again, I'd really like to, if you go back and watch it, look, I'd really like to see them run a set here. He was picking up that it was kind of ragged, but that it, was, it wasn't structured. You know, and then after the game, you had Kenny say, like, we – we really didn't try to run a lot of structured sets against these guys because of their their physicality and the, their ability to react to that sort of thing. They had to just be a little more make a play. Are you yeah. okay with that? Well, you know, ultimately, I think you got to teach these guys to play basketball. And first thing, we'll just define some of this stuff. Like you hear about a continuity offense all the time. So much of that is simply balance. It is simply having the right number of players on each half of the court, the left and the right. And then whatever your action is, you've got your options on that side of the floor. So if you're on the the heavy side of the floor with three, you know, first one's usually a backdoor cut, get somebody out of there, then into a dribble handoff for a guard where you can play a little two-man game. And then if he doesn't have that two-man game, he dribbles it up to the top, there's another cutter, and you've got that balance again, three on one side, two on the other. So the the not running sets thing you know, I am in favor when you need a big basket down the stretch to be able to have that drawn up play that 
teams haven't seen and you deliver a strike you throw a lob you get a dunk you get a momentum changing play but the mass majority of your offense I think and the way I've played forever has these kind of foundational concepts about balance and really the initial action with your play and then it's kind of read and react stuff so I don't know I'd I'd like to see a few more sets but to simplify things for these guys and again have a little more continuity where hey as long as the floor is balanced we can get into something. I do like that philosophy for this team, right? I don't think you want to overcomplicate things and throw a bunch of, of sets at them, but they do need some. I, I'm kind of in the middle there. I, I like freedom and balance being the key principles to how you set up your half-court offense. How much do you uh, perhaps attribute L. Ellis? There's a lot of criticisms on Twitter about his defense. Do does L. Ellis defend, and do you think that they either uh, consciously or unconsciously um, are okay with him being very, very well, lax or, or not taking very many chances at all because he can't go out of the game? I just in college, I hate that. I hate that mindset. I think when you're three and twenty, two and twenty, whatever, two and nineteen, or lose, whatever, right? Yes, you can't hold anything back. You know, I, I think he's got to learn to play through that kind of thing and have a well-rounded game. And, and yeah, I understand the fact that he's got to be probably a little bit more cautious with some of the chances he takes. But so far, you're impacting the game with points and assists. And I know that sounds like, hey, well, I'll take that. But you can't score 30 and give up 32, right? You can't just give up easy ones. And... Uh, also you're a captain the ball is in your hands the most you're the best player on the team you have to set the tone for everybody else this is some of the like leadership aspect that I don't think these guys have gotten through and I think about you know as a JUCO guy what his focus would be well it's not on winning you know who won a JUCO national championship last year the year before that like I'm in college basketball for a living and I have no idea their goal is how do I ever exactly how do I get out of JUCO well it's you know to do things to get you attention well points and assists are are those right so I do think he's got to take on that and say I have to set the tone defensively for my team and find ways to balance being overly aggressive and picking up little ticky tack bad fouls like he had one late when they were trying to blow it against Georgia Tech where he just reached in on Kyle Sturdivant who's a senior guard you know, you don't just rip guys very often in the ACC, and he picks up a bad foul. And I wanted to tweet it out right after and say, regardless is regardless if that was a foul or not, a bad decision to go for that at that particular moment. Yeah. You know, and these guys have some of these boneheaded plays. I call it hero ball, right? Because if you stay solid there and you play defense and he passes the ball and nothing happens, you're not in the paper for that, right? Your name's not in the headlines, but it's a winning play. And so they got to focus more on winning the game and stop worrying about the little things that kind of get you a little bit of attention. Because you know what sounds great? L. Ellis being the one of three players in the ACC with 370 points and 100 assists this season, alongside Tyree Appleby and NC State's Terquavion Smith. That sounds great. And then you put the caveat on there that they're 3-20, and 20, and it just washes all away. As soon as he focuses more on winning, the whole team is going to be dramatically, dramatically better. And I... I just I can't stand the comments of like, yeah, he, he just can't play hard enough on defense because he's got to save it for offense. Move him off the ball, move him off his point guard responsibilities and save him in other ways 
defense wins championships. Got You would have to think too, Luke, that there there's a morale element to it. Like if if you're consistently on the on the defensive end, having to sort of overreact or help, or you're getting in foul trouble because the guy gets by LLs all the time. Not exactly going to be in great terms on the offensive end either, are you? Well, think about the message. Right. Right? Like, you know, you could play someone. I mean, Hersey Miller played 11 minutes. We just talked about his plus minus being more than anyone else's. You could play someone, but now you have an issue of, well, L. Ellis isn't really dogging it out here. Like, he's not giving everything on defense. I can be a little more relaxed on going to get this offensive rebound. Or I can be a little more relaxed on trying to, trying to chase through this screen. If I go wider, I don't get hit as hard. It's a little easier for me. I'm good. You know, L's not trying that hard. Like, and I'm not saying that is the mindset, but the opposite is true. You know, when I saw Peyton Siva and Russ Smith get in a stance and start clapping and smacking the floor, and Russ gets a steal and starts the transition, and we go get an alley-oop dunk, I, I got to tell you, it gives me chills now thinking about it because – my game and my defense is going to be elevated. I'm not letting my teammate work that hard and me just sit back and coast. So you're the guy with the ball in your hands the most. You're the best player on this team. you got the best numbers. You're playing the third most minutes in the ACC. You want to win? you got to have a mindset of we're not going to, going to bend or break on any of these things for 40 minutes. Go hit the ice you know, tub and rest afterwards. I've watched recently – off and on the elite eight and both final four games from 2013 and i do have to say luke i don't think you thought any foul called against you was legit yeah i did too much of that i agree i agree <laughs> oh, wow. i, I did not the reaction i was going for at all well i no, I, I agree and i watch basketball now and i'm like man i can't stand that guy's whining like that and throwing his hands up and then i think like what a hypocrite, because I did that kind of stuff all the time. Do you want to clarify anything from 10 years ago, Luke? Uh, I got a lot to get off my chest. We only have a few minutes left of the uh, radio show here. but great use of clarify. That was wonderful. <laughs> I, uh, no, man, I, I did talk to the refs more and talk to the refs. Man. Like, I would go out there. I knew a lot of them by their first names, and I was an old, crafty veteran. So I felt like, you know, in certain situations uh, that they would give me a, a little – little more if I was friendly and and then when I if I did that too when the, I played football well the idea is like if you don't yell at every call you you know and they see you get upset with one okay maybe they did get fouled there but I probably did a little too much of the yelling at the refs and waving your hands and things like that and to your point I hate it now it's growth Luke this is why we're trying to send you in to uh to critique practices man that entire last five minutes fantastic. <laughs> well you know I can admit my flaws that was certainly one of them but it was a, a lot of fun. I, I was one of those guys who played as hard as I could and kind of wore my emotions on my sleeve. So not a not a VJ King, Sam Williamson type. All right. That's going to do it for us here. You've been listening to The Drive on the Thunderville. See you.